Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the Christmas Spirit. Because without the Christmas Spirit, I'd be way more frustrated about this lost this loss than I am already. Nevertheless, it is not an easy game to cover. I never like covering the losses, but alas, here we are. You can find us on facebook.com slash the goldcast, and you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we do love to hear from you, and we certainly are going to go over some of the uh, poignant aspects of this game. But first, it's just me today. So with that said, as always, first, that intro. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. I'm your host, Raymond Solis I, and with me is me, Raymond Solis I. So, ladies and gentlemen, week 15 is come and gone. The Niners lose, surprisingly. 29-22 to the Atlanta Falcons at home. The I believe this is the second loss at home. So we have two losses at home and one loss on the road. The first was to the Seattle Seahawks, and the second was this game. And this was very frustrating uh, on a multitude of levels. You know, to be honest, I was actually at a Christmas gathering, uh, a social gathering that a friend was hosting that coincidentally was scheduled on the same day of the game. And I almost didn't go because I wanted to watch the game. But if there was ever a weekend when I didn't want to be, the game was on at this party because there was another fan there that advocated to to watch the game. So I'm glad I wasn't the only person, you know, that was, that was, I was trying to be social, but I didn't want to be antisocial and pay attention to the game. But we had it put on, but it was put on mute so that everyone could, you know, enjoy conversation, which is totally fair. Totally a fair compromise. However, if there was ever a game where I didn't want to be 100% focused on, you know, especially with the outcome ending up the way it did, this was the game. Because I was focused on the guests and seeing my friends and enjoying in seeing everyone and just hanging out and having a good time eating and drinking. But I kept peeking at the game and kept wondering why god this scoring is is low it's slow pace it's a tie game what is going on and it really just kind of dawned on me you know i get that the falcons are five and nine and they're the inferior team and when you look at the performance of the falcons overall you know it's it's hard not to jump to the you know presumption that the Niners are going to come away with a win. But when you look at the Falcons and how they've played in their last five games, where they were three and two, now four and two in six games, it's really a tale of two tapes. And Kyle Shanahan even noted this in one of his press conferences, the the press conferences leading up to the game, before the game. 
And he said that, you know, he didn't focus on the one and seven Falcon tape. He focused on the three and two Falcons tape because that was the team that they are. The one and seven start was who they were, which is first half of the season. And the second half, they've really played a lot better. And they've only lost two games in the second half of the season. They've won four. So they've played more or less much better, you know, based on how much talent they do have on that team. They've played to their potential a lot more in the second half of the season. And that certainly showed itself in this tape. I still, It's still plainly obvious that the Niners are the better team. I just really think that the Falcons came in at an opportune moment and took advantage of a team that's very tired. And more importantly, a team that's not very healthy right now, especially on the defensive side. Because... We Kawan Williams tried to play in this game early on, but he ended up leaving early on and did not come back. And alas, you know, thus we had five players missing from the starting rotation. When you have nearly half the starting rotation gone, which is something we've noted in previous seasons where they had like six, I think they had like six guys gone in 2017 and 2018. It's really, really hard to maintain a consistent pace of effective football, especially with the systems that we run now, the evolved system of Kyle Shanahan, and of course, the wide nine defensive scheme by Robert Sala. It's really hard for this team. And it's not, it's not just, we're also, we're, so we're missing five starters, but we're also missing multiple components from the depth on defense. So really we're missing like close to like, I would say nine guys off the top of my head, a a combination of mostly starters and several depth players. And that to me is kind of the big factor that played into this game. And, you know, we'll get into the Rams game later on in the week because it is looking a little bit more optimistic for that matchup because I was not very optimistic after this game. I said, you know what, if they, if, if, if it stays like this, where we're missing five guys going into these next two games with every, considering everything that's on the line, the NFC West division first place to get that for, and, and number, the number one seed to get home field advantage. If we don't have that, then it's going to be really, really difficult to win even the wild card round of the playoffs. And that's because we just got beat by a 5-9 and nine team missing five key players. Granted, the entire offense, with the exception of our center, was completely healthy and still only mustered 22 points against that defense. So what's to say when you get to the playoffs if you're still in the same state of health at that juncture? So to me, logically, I think like, all right, well, if we couldn't get past the Atlanta Falcons, barely, and it really came down to the final seconds and the final play, really came down to inches that really decided this game against a team that's not in the playoffs but is playing much better now, then how much better, or I should say, how much more difficult is it going to be if we struggle against two playoff two teams that are one is in the playoff hunt and another one is most likely going to get into the wild card in the Rams and the Falcons. How much harder is it going to be to try to win those games 
to get into the playoffs. They clinched a playoff spot, so we're in no matter what. We're in the tournament, which is great news, but it's very bittersweet given the circumstances going forward because of the health of this team. That was really the thing that really stuck, stood out to me the most. By the way, everyone's prediction was wrong this week, so <laughs> we're not going to get into any of the predictions. I don't want to put anyone out for that, but we all got it wrong. All of us did. And as the week went on and the practice reports came out, I got less and less optimistic about my original prediction. Because to me, I was like, to me, I even tweeted this out. I was like, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than I previously thought. There's just too many injuries. The, the, the one upside is the offense is almost 100%. They're like 95% minus the center. But even then, it was a little bit different. Because the, you know, the snap count, the personnel, there was a lot of 11 personnel. And that's not really illustrative of the Niners bread and butter offense that we've seen majority of this season. Now, remember, I'm not a football expert, you know, and we have friends of the cast that are much better than me. Johnny Dell is terrific at X's and O's. He knows it far better than I do. But what I'm, what I'm getting to is that, you know, maybe some of the different looks that we were giving in this game was reflective of trying to match the opponent's play style. I don't know if they overthought it or what it was, but the offense was, you know, was really sluggish. There was moments, I mean, they played good in the first half, but we had 90 rushing yards in the first half, and then we had 30 in the second half. So that was a big difference. The Atlanta defense adjustments after halftime were much better against the run, forcing us to be more or less one-dimensional. And that that's a big deal because I still think Jimmy's capable of doing terrific and airing it out. But when you make a team one dimensional, regardless of how good they are, it's still really, it's still really difficult to succeed in this league. You know, conversely, the Atlanta Falcons are pretty much the same. You know, they got 54 yards in the first half and then they got like, you know, 30 something in the second half. So we matched our adjustments our adjustments got even better in the second half too. But the secondary was really the thing that stood out to me the most. And again, this was this is predicated on the injuries that I've already uh, talked about. Because most of the injuries that we're dealing with are in the secondary. We're missing our starting safety. We're missing both starting corners. With the except, well, I, Sherman and Quan Williams. So Quan Williams is a, is a nickel cornerback. Sherman is a starting cornerback. We did have Witherspoon, who I thought played well. And we did have Mosley, who had moments. But, I mean, each of these guys got beat today. They were trying to double cover Julio Jones, and it just did not work. Julio Jones had an outstanding game on paper and when it counted the most. And even in double coverage, he just seemed it just seemed unstoppable. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things that factor into this, and it's really hard to narrow it down. It's, it's never going to equate to one or two things. But, you know, third down efficiency was really poor from us. Normally, we're about a 45, 55% team on third down. We're actually really good on third down. Overall, in the season, we're top five. But the Falcons, they were over 50% on third down in this game, seven for 13. You know, that's par- part of the issue was, and this is not an effective running team. Antonio Freeman has been a shell of himself all season long. 
and they got less. They got 89 rushing yards for the game, and that's using multiple backs. So Matt Ryan really had to air it out as much as he could in order to keep the Falcons afloat. And even then, he just barely got past 200 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo also had 200 yards too. Similar passing games, you know, and, and similar similar lion's share of, of targets. Julio Jones had 20 targets. George Kittle had 17. They both had over 100 yards. Difference, though, Julio Jones had two touchdowns in this game. But we were 4 for 12 on third down. So that's a third, a third of the time we were getting it done. So to me, there was a lot of, there was just a lot of inefficiency. You know, I don't know if you guys felt, I felt like they looked tired. I mean, we've been going since week four, since our early week bye. Most teams get their bye between like weeks eight through 11, right? Which is the midway point and even after the midway point. We got ours within the first quarter of the season when it's not really, it's not as important in my opinion. I mean, I don't see that very often at all. I can't remember the last 49er seasons I've ever watched where we had a bye within the first quarter of the season. And chime in in the comment section if you remember that. I don't remember. I have. I don't think I've ever seen that as long as I've been watching the Niners. I could be wrong, but you know, it's it's, it's a detail that's. To me, it's it's insignificant. It's to me, it's not as helpful to have a buy that early when your guys are. You know, I think a buy midseason would have been much better. Would have helped guys. Would have helped get some of our guys back into rhythm. I think that is starting to something I'm starting to think about. At least I'm thinking about it now. Because if we'd have had it within any of the last few weeks, I think that would have been super helpful. I, I just don't understand. The, the logic or reasoning and having an early buy. I wasn't a fan of it in the first place, and I tried to rationalize to, to make some sense of it, and I did at the time, but in retrospect, looking at the team and the state of the team and the state of their health, it's something I think about now because all, almost every other team had a late, a mid, mid to mid to mid late season buy when, when you're, when you're supposed to have it. I think when it's most effective, you pay, you've played a half a season or more, it's a good time to get a rest, to regroup, to heal up, to recharge, to reset. And the Niners don't have that luxury. We have to go from week four until the end. That's why the getting the first seed is even more pivotal. Because we need that first week by now. And hopefully that's something that we can accomplish. And we'll talk more about the Rams preview. But this game was just, yeah, this was just a letdown. I think letdown is the appropriate word. It's what I've seen on some, in some uh, articles that have come out after the game. I haven't paid attention to too much of the media. You know, as you guys know, I've been very open about not being super keen on media after a loss because it's just like, I'm just going to hear more of what I already know. Whereas on a win, I like to hear people break down X's and O's of what went right versus hearing the X and O's of what went wrong. I can kind of, it's easier to see what, what goes wrong versus what goes right. Cause what goes right, you're caught up in the enthusiasm of, of joy and being happy and being elated and galvanized by the win. 
Whereas in the loss, you're frustrated. You you see what happened in each play that didn't work out. You see that Jimmy Ward made a terrific effort to keep Julio Jones out of the end zone, but the ball crosses the plane at the very end there to 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 give a as a fair call. Is a fair call. His feet were outside the end zone, but it's not where your feet are. It's where the ball is when you retain possession. And that's what the officials looked at. And so that was a fair call, but it, it really came down to inches on that play. And I thought Jimmy had it because in, in, in fast motion, at glance, it looked like he certainly stopped him. And then in slow motion replay, because everything under two minutes with the game on the line has to be reviewed to confirm that it is, that it did happen the way the initial call is, you know, and so it it just didn't work out, unfortunately. We also had turnovers. I mean, luckily, none of the turnovers turned out, turned into points, except for the turnover that we got. But it was still, still frustrating to see Matt Breida fumbled twice. Lost one of them. Raheem Mostert had Raheem Mostert was. I mean, I know Raheem Mostert turned into a touchdown, but the game was already decided at that point, and you know it was kind of a garbage time thing. It was a desperation play. I'm not sure what they were thinking. It you know it wasn't going to work out anyways with a second left. All you have to, all you have is the kickoff to try to get something going. So that one was less less impactful. I know George Kittle had a fumble too, but he didn't, but you know, they were able to recover that one, but still just, and that's a rarity by George Kittle. He does not give up the ball very often. Matt Breida has fumbled before. So two in one game was, was not cool. And the, uh, the running game, Raheem Moser got the lion's share of the snaps in this game. And, but he got it it was a little bit more so than I thought. He got more than Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida combined, or or almost as much as them combined. He had 14 carries. Coleman and Breida each had four apiece. Matt Breida was really, he had a, to me, he was very poor in this game. The two fumbles, he averaged below three yards a carry. Tevin Coleman actually played pretty well. He had four carries for 40 yards. That's an average of 10 yards a carry. I know he had the big one late in the game to keep the game going. But George Kittle was really the chain mover in this one. But I thought Kevin Coleman played better. You know, this is somebody who's kind of been falling out of favor, at least according to the snap count and what what Kyle Shanahan said about Raheem Moser because Raheem Moser's been playing terrific the past few games. He's just running out of his mind, so... If he keeps that up in practice and earns it, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'd much more rather see a little bit more even distribution of all three backs versus having one carry the load and the other two kind of getting an even break. I think that would be better. At least that's what we've seen all season. So that's why that's the only reason why I say that. And I know you had the other plays. Jimmy ran a couple times. Kyle Juszczyk ran once for not, for not much. Tebow Samuel had the eight-yard run. And, and George Kittle on the receiver side, you know, Debo Samuels targeted only three times. Kendrick Bourne was only targeted twice. Emmanuel Sanders was only targeted four times, but 17 targets on George Kittle. It's like, come on. You know, and again, I don't know the X's and O's, but, you know, I know some of those was coverage. Some of those was pressure. And so it's not just play calling or snap count, but it, again, just a little bit odd. You know, some of the more fanatical fans in and forums are, you know, talk nonsense like like Kyle Shanahan's a, a failure or anything like that. Anyway, I just ignore it and I don't, I don't even comment on the thread because it's not worth it. 
You're just going to get in a spouting match over somebody that really knows precisely dick about football. So I avoid those conversations, but I mention them be- because there's more, there's more happening. You know, it's, it's, you get, and don't look at, don't just look at the tree, look at the forest. But I do question why we were in 11 personnel when that's not really our bread and butter personnel. I do question why some of our other receivers weren't targeted as much. Why when when they've been targeted much more favorably in other games and been contributing in other games against and against better secondaries and better pass rushes. So it's hard to know that, you know, I, I think there's, there's aspects of this game schematically that happen that uh, where I, where I just don't quite understand why coaches make certain decisions. And, and the only reason why I'm questioning this is because it's a loss. If this is a win, we'd be having a different conversation, but in the losses, I do, it losses do bring up questions for me because I am curious about this kind of stuff because there is something happening schematically that I don't understand, which is leading to the coaches making the decisions they've made. I just don't know what they are. And I just, you know, would like some clarity so I can move on. I mean, I know the team's moved on, but we're just getting to the episode now. Rudy couldn't be here today, but, you know, he shares the same frustration that we all do in this game and probably has some similar questions that that I'm posing today. But the bottom line is that this team has to get healthy if they want to win the next two games and give themselves a legitimate shot at winning the number one seed and the division. Because if they don't, I don't think they get past the first round. I really don't. Not when you're missing five guys off the starting rotation. Granted, there were some positive points that came off of the practice report today. If you guys haven't seen it, check in with Matt Mayoko on Twitter. I'm not going to read them now because I'd rather get to it when we do our preview episode with Rudy here and we're, you know, break down the Rams matchup. But there were some positive things that happened in today's practice that make me feel a little bit better going forward. But if the health issue reoccurs, rears its head in the next game and forces guys to sit out again, then it's going to be really tough sledging. Really tough. Really tough. Because if this is what a 5-9 and nine team does to us when we're missing five of our starting rotation, then imagine what a playoff contending team is going to do to us, missing five starters from the rotation. And that's just, you know, logical deductions and conclusions being drawn up here. I don't, I don't it's, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that there's a, the, the chances become, uh, the margin for error becomes much smaller, as we saw, when health is a factor here. And to be honest, the offense could have played a lot better, considering how, how much health was on that side of the ball. I think they could have played a lot better, a lot better, especially considering the play action and the running game was doing terrific in the first half 90 yards amassed in the first half we should have put up a lot more than 10 points a lot more this should have been a blowout every other team in new orleans blew out indianapolis they did what they came to they were coming off of it a big tough tight loss though too so i think that you know considering that a division opponent division opponent is up next on the docket and they're coming off of a game they know they should have won just like the ravens game just like seattle game there's a good chance that this crew based on the psychology and the the, the the character of this group that you know they bounce back appropriately come Sunday. So we'll just have to see it and we'll keep monitoring the reports and the health of this team because that's that's starting to play a factor now, or at least it played a big factor in this game. 
And there was other games where it played a factor, like missing George Kittle on offense earlier in the season before we had Emmanuel Sanders. That was a big deal. So, you know, it matters. And and even just one guy matters a lot against a much tougher opponent, as we saw with the absence of George Kittle. So keep that in mind, because uh, that, those are important things. But, alas, we are still 11-3, and three, and... We have secured a position in the playoff tournament, so that is a good thing. We're still among one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the best. I think the only thing that really kind of keeps us from being the best right now is health. That's really it. But other than that, I think there's still a lot to look forward to. There's still a lot of season left. We still have two games to go to help secure this thing out and get some much-needed rest because that's what they're playing for now. You're playing for rest and home field advantage. Because home field advantage is a real thing with this with this squad. So we will return on Thursday to preview the Rams at the 49ers. And we'll also be dropping another episode with Candlestick Will with another Top 11 podcast. This new episode will feature the be- greatest Bay Area teams of all time the top 11 of that group. And there'll be certain that we're going to play with that on, on how it's going to work. So look out for that coming out soon as well. We'll be recording that, I think, tomorrow. And with that, so concludes another edition of the Goldcast. I'm your host, Raymond Solis the First. You can find me on Twitter at RaySolis and on Instagram at RaySolis1. But until then, we'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. This is, this is the Goldcast.